Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, the Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake bringing you another solo podcast. I can report um, Gabby, the Urrutia family. Um, the earth went well. Baby Stella is here and she is the cutest thing you've ever seen. Uh, Gabby sent me some pictures. Everyone seems to be doing well. Gabby, Mama, and Baby Stella. So want to send wishes to them. Uh, as they settle into parenthood here in these newborn stages. Um, so yeah, it's just going to be me on this podcast here uh, with Duke Week, everyone's favorite week on the Coastal Division schedule uh, upon us. And uh, so let's get into it here. So Duke enters this game four and three, uh, which is already more wins than they had all of last year when they went three and nine and decided to part ways with longtime coach David Cutcliffe. Um, so out is David Cutcliffe in is Mike Elko, the former Texas A&M defensive coordinator, also Notre Dame defensive coordinator, also Wake Forest defensive coordinator. So um, he's been a part of plenty of successful programs. This is his first stint as a head coach. Um, and quite frankly, through these first seven games, he has put together one of the more impressive coaching jobs to this point um, in the ACC. The turnaround um, that was required at Duke was substantial and uh, already securing four wins and knocking on the door of bowl eligibility. If this if this Blue Devil team is bowl eligible in Mike Elko's first year, that's a tremendous accomplishment. Um, Mike Elko's coaching staff is 
uh, on the offensive side, he features Kevin Johns as the offensive coordinator comes from Memphis. He's also their quarterbacks coach. Um, and on the defensive side, there is some familiar names for Miami hurricanes fans, uh, defensive line coach, Jess Simpson, and their cornerbacks coach is Ishmael Aristide. Also Duke strength and conditioning coach is David Feely. So there is definitely going to be plenty of familiarity uh, from the Duke side of things when scouting Miami. Um, I would expect Duke to have a good game plan for Miami's personnel um, with the knowledge that those coaches on the Blue Devils staff have of the Hurricanes roster. Um, Duke is coming off a 38-35 loss to North Carolina and an overtime loss to Georgia Tech. Um, in both those games, they deserve credit for the way they fought back into those games to make them competitive. Uh, against Georgia Tech, Duke was down 20-6, to fought their way back and forced overtime. And then against North Carolina, that was, quite frankly, a, a crazy game. Both sides, some big swings um, with Duke jumping on North Carolina a little bit in the first half. North Carolina then uh, jumping up on Duke in the third quarter. Uh, the Tar Heels took a 10-point lead into the fourth quarter. Uh, Duke um, scored what would have been a touchdown with about two or three minutes left in the game that I believe would have put them up uh, 42 to 31. Uh, but that touchdown was nullified by a penalty. And uh, North Carolina went on to win the game. So uh, tough break for Duke. Honestly, Duke was the better team in that North Carolina game. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from a tough loss and also too just how they bounce back from two consecutive losses. Um, offensively, Duke is averaging 32.9 points per game, 434 yards per game. They're turning the ball only. So on the year, they only have four turnovers this year, which is uh, a remarkable improvement from the past couple of years. I believe the last two seasons, Duke totaled 60 turnovers, which is a crazy amount. So Duke has made significant strides in protecting the football and their offense starts with a quarterback that quite frankly, I think is good. Uh, Riley Leonard. He's in his first season as a full-time starter, six foot four, 212 pounds. He's thrown for 1,557 yards with nine touchdowns and four interceptions while completing 64% of his passes. He can also do some damage with his legs. Um, he has, he's their leading rusher at this point at 420 yards with five touchdowns. Um, from a body type perspective and from kind of like a dual threat ability perspective, he might remind Miami fans a little bit of Drake May, the North Carolina quarterback that Miami just played against. I think Drake May has more arm talent. Um, I think he, he's a better thrower of the football at this stage. Um, but I guess what I'm speaking to is the run threat that Drake May is. Cause I think Riley Leonard um, is a drop back quarterback, but he can scramble for yards. He can also be used in the quarterback run game. Uh, 
his rushing stats are impressive when you stack him up against uh, other quarterbacks around the country that are regarded as really good run threats. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, Riley Leonard has rushed for 235 yards on scrambles, which ranks fifth in the country amongst Power 5 quarterbacks. And he has run for 219 yards on design quarterback runs, which ranks 10th amongst Power 5 quarterbacks. And those splits, um, they line up pretty close to quarterbacks like Drake May, as we referenced, uh, USC's Caleb Williams, similar run splits in that way, Tennessee's Hendon Hooker, and Arkansas's KJ Jefferson. So, um, you know, Riley Leonard is not, I don't think he's the athlete a lot of those guys are, but he does, he's a long strider. He runs behind his pads. I believe he's averaging four yards per carry after contact on the season, which is a really good number for a running back, let alone a quarterback. So he's a guy that's tough to bring down once he gets a full head of steam going. Um, and he's also effective at throwing on the run if he's flushed from the pocket. Um, as a passer, he does a nice job of hitting shallow crossers. Um, He's very comfortable throwing intermediate out routes. He's got the arm strength to get it out there. And uh, he is effective with his deep shots. He's completed 11 of 23 deep shots on the year for 414 yards with four touchdowns and one interception. Um, I do think Riley, you know, there's, there's a lot of development to take place before uh, he's close to considering this jump up to the professional level, but I do think down the road, he has the potential to be a pro. He has all the traits. He's got the size. He's got the mobility. He's got the arm talent. He just needs more reps. And quite frankly, um, I do think the skill talent needs to improve around him to help feature his strengths um, as a quarterback. So Duke definitely comes into this game. Uh, any any opponent that has a quarterback um, with the ability of a Riley Leonard, that opponent should be respected. And so Riley Leonard's ability certainly has Miami's attention going into this week. Um, Riley's top target on the season is Jalen Calhoun, who is a veteran guy, uh, four-year starter on the year. So far, he's caught 29 passes for 411 yards and two touchdowns. Um, for his career, he's just under 1,900 yards receiving uh, with 11 touchdowns. So by the end of this year, he's going to be cracking 2,000 yards uh, for his career. He's a guy that's 5'11", 190 pounds. Um, in his career prior to this this season, he'd primarily worked out of the slot. Um this year, they're using a, well, specifically in recent games, they're using him more so on the outside. So they're letting him be kind of a deep threat in this attack. Um, he is a guy that has good speed. He is a guy that has pretty good contested catch ability. And he is a guy that can uh, make a guy miss in the quick game and pick up yak. So he's kind of the main guy to focus on um, in terms of targets in this game from a Duke perspective. And as a true freshman in 2019, uh, 
Calhoun caught three passes for 82 yards and a touchdown against Miami with the Blue Devils winning that game 27 to 17. Yuck. Uh, pass protection wise, uh, Duke's offensive line is solid in this regard. Um, they're allowing just over one sack per game. It's like 1.2 uh, sacks per game this season, which of course is an excellent mark. Um, Pro Football Focus grades out their line in pass protection as the number 34 bunch nationally. Solid grade. And, you know, watching them and his grades back it up too. But left tackle Graham Barton looks like a pro. Uh, I don't know where on the offensive line he's going to play as a pro, but he's definitely a pro. On the year, he's allowed zero sacks and three pressures in, in these seven games that Duke has played. So he's also effective in the run game as well as a run blocker. So um, Graham Barton, Duke's left tackle, definitely a dude there on the line of scrimmage for Duke offensively. Um, in the run game, it's kind of a by-committee approach. And of course, we've touched about how you have to account for Riley Leonard in Duke's run game. Uh, but after that, they got three guys Jordan Waters, Jalen Coleman, and Jaquez Moore, who are between 250 and 360 yards per game. Those three guys have combined for 12 touchdowns. It is worth saying Jalen Coleman, probably their top, or he was their top guy through the first five games. He sustained an injury in that fifth game, and he's missed the last two games. So we'll see how that goes with his availability up in the air. Um, Overall, Duke, you know, that threesome, along with quarterback Riley Leonard, uh, they're a bunch that averages 200 yards per game on the ground. Um, so that's always got to catch your attention as a defense. Um, you know, in terms of overall talent of that running back room, I think they're solid backs. Honestly, I would give more credit to Duke's offensive line for the way they generate yards in the run game. Um Pro Football Focus grades Duke's run blocking as the eighth best in the country. So um, they definitely make the job easier for those Duke backs who um, I would say are kind of just one-cut guys with decent speed. They certainly have enough speed to uh, crack a home run if if the crease is there. So, um, But in the run game, to me, uh, the offensive line deserves a lot of credit uh, for the production there, along with the dual threat ability of Riley Leonard. Defensively, um, Duke is much improved. I think last year they were allowing something ridiculous like 39 points per game. This year that number's way down to 22.3 points per game. They're just a more sound group. I don't know if they're necessarily overly talented. Uh, particularly on the back end. Uh, they're allowing 403 yards per game. One thing they're doing well is they're being opportunistic with turnovers. 12 turnovers gained, uh, which is uh, second in the ACC. I believe uh, most of those turnovers are fumbles with nine or 10 of those turnovers being fumbles. Um, so there is a little bit of a luck element in terms of how the ball bounces with teams that recover fumbles. But regardless, Duke does deserve credit for forcing those fumbles. Um, 
That's what good defenses do. What they're not good at this year in particular is third down defense. They're allowing opponents to convert 46.4% of the time. Uh, They're also 11th in the ACC in passing efficiency defense. Um, They're primarily a four down front, uh, but they will mix it up at times with some three man looks. Um, But overall, they are a four down front. Um, The one guy I think that, that is definitely a pro on this Duke defense is defensive tackle Dwayne Carter, number 90. Uh, he's a guy that is extremely disruptive, particularly as a pass rusher um, on the season coming into this game. He has 31 quarterback pressures on the year, which is an insane number from a guy that's working on the inside. That is second most in the country. As a point of reference, right, uh, Daryl Jackson, Miami's defensive tackle, who's doing a a great job as a pass rusher in his own right, has 12 pressures on the year. So Dwayne Carter makes a significant impact in the game. He was excellent this past week against North Carolina. He's a guy that looks like a pro, 6'2", 6'3", 298, carries that weight well, athletic, has a motor, can bull rush, um, also has some good quickness. Dwayne Carter, number 90, is the guy to watch on Duke's defense going into this game. Linebacker, uh, Duke has a veteran, Shaka Hayward. Um, He has been about a a three-and-a-half-year starter with 295 tackles in his career coming into this game, 29 tackles for loss. He's definitely a a downhill guy, um, middle linebacker guy. Uh, 6263240. In the secondary, it's a group that I think Mike Elko obviously will be looking to improve the overall talent level via recruiting. But in terms of this year, um, the guy who kind of is the most consistent is safety Darius Joyner, who transferred in from FCS program Western Illinois. And he leads my my Duke with 57 tackles on the year. Um, But overall, I would say Duke's secondary is an area where teams that can pass the ball can exploit. Overall, um, you know, Duke is a team that has really cleaned up the turnovers on offense and defense. I think Mike Elko. Uh, cleaned it up on offense and then they're generating turnovers on defense. And Mike Elko deserves a ton of credit for making that clearly a point of emphasis in year one. I think that has led to them already surpassing their win total from a year ago. They're playing more of a complimentary brand of football. The offense looks to chew clock and run the ball without turning it over and hit shots occasionally uh, while the defense does a nice job you know, while they're, they're not effective at getting off the field on third down, uh, one way you can make up for that is by being opportunistic and forcing turnovers, getting the offense uh, decent field position. So this Duke team is an improved Duke team from a year ago, and uh, they're definitely a team that 
Miami needs to take seriously. Uh, let's take a break here on that. And then we will jump into looking at this game from a Miami perspective and uh, what I think needs to happen for the Hurricanes against the Blue Devils. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we are back. Uh, normally, this segment, coming off the break, we discuss injuries. Quite frankly, after this uh, Virginia Tech game, I don't know what to say about it. You know, uh, Mario Cristobal going into that Virginia Tech game hinted that some guys that were uh, held out of the Virginia Tech game were going to be good to go. And so it's hard to lean on that information again week over week. Mario did seem to feel confident, though, which I think it is important to highlight this injury, that Ja'Kai Clark is trending in the right direction. He actually did travel. He dressed at Virginia Tech. He was available in an emergency situation, um, but he did not play. So it does sound like he might be good to go this week as Miami's starting center, which I think is a big development. There was a lot of penalties on the offensive line at Virginia Tech, and I think a lot of it was due to a new center, um, Jonathan Dennis. I think Jonathan Dennis was <clears throat> called for four penalties alone. So... Um, Things should be back in sync in that regard, but there's definitely other guys to monitor in terms of injury updates as well. Running back Henry Parrish, cornerback Tyreek Stevenson, tight end Will Mallory, um, wide receiver Michael Redding. Um, so there are there are other names to monitor. Um, on Monday, Mario did say Mario Cristobal did say Jacoby George. There's a chance he comes back this week. So he's he's getting close. Sounds like it could be either this week or next week. That would be a nice little addition. Jacoby had a, a very productive game, kind of a breakout game last year against Duke, if uh, listeners to this podcast remember that Duke game last year. Uh, keys to the game. So I think in a lot of ways, uh, you know, Duke's offensive line is playing well this year. I think that is fair to say. I think it's also fair to say I'm not so sure Duke's offensive line has faced a, a defensive line to the talent and depth level anywhere close to what they're going to see this week against Miami. So I am curious how this matchup goes. I don't expect Miami to necessarily whip Duke's offensive line, but I would be surprised if Miami's defensive line does not win that matchup. And I think that does need to be 
a key to the game. If Miami's defensive line uh, wins the line of scrimmage against Duke's offensive line, I think it's going to be very difficult for Duke to score enough points um, to keep up with this Miami offense against the Duke defense. I think looking back at the Georgia Tech game, one reason why Georgia Tech was able to win that game was because Georgia Tech's defensive line is probably the one game I think where Duke's offensive line didn't play great. And uh, quarterback Riley Leonard was uh, having to operate under a lot of pressures and he struggled um, with that. So Miami's defensive line needs to win the battle on the line of scrimmage. I think we all know, I mean, this just, you could probably uh, make this an evergreen keys to the game for the rest of the year. But Tyler Van Dyke needs to start the first quarter in a rhythm. We've seen it the last two weeks, for whatever reason, uh, when Tyler does not start off well uh, in a first quarter, that's typically a a bad omen for the rest of the game for him uh, against North Carolina and Virginia Tech. He's done a good job of getting off to a quick start or at least an efficient start. And so that, of course, needs to continue against a Duke defense where I think there's going to be yards to be had in the passing game. Um, and, and to that point, I think offensively, Miami Miami can make this game a perimeter game. This Duke team, I don't think, can run sideline to sideline when defending the run. And I think there's going to be shot plays there on the outside. Um, Duke's corners are a little bit suspect uh, with their poise and coverage downfield. And I think there will be opportunities there, especially, you know, now that we're kind of seeing the blossoming of Colby Young as an outside downfield threat. Um, Matchup we like most for Miami. Um, It's going to be Miami's passing game against the Duke secondary. Um, I think when you, when you really dive into what Duke has done this season and you uh, just pull out the power five opponents, a lot of the power five opponents have had success throwing the ball against this Duke secondary Northwestern threw for 435 Kansas threw for 324 Virginia which I don't understand. This is a rant. I do not understand what is going on with Virginia's offense this season. They have only thrown, they only threw for 202 yards uh, against Duke, uh, which is kind of like close to their season average, but still Brennan Armstrong is still there. All his receivers came back this year. They're struggling to get it going in the passing game. And that's kind of the one power five opponent that Duke played to the season average Georgia tech threw for 227, which is a good showing for Georgia Tech this year. And then North Carolina threw for 380. So those, uh, what is it, five power five teams threw for an average of 313 yards per game. Again, I think there's yards. I think there's points to be had um, with the Miami passing game against Duke secondary this week. Um, And that's especially the case if they can block it up against Dwayne Carter, Duke's excellent defensive tackle on the uh, that can generate pressure, 31 pressures on the on the season up to this point. Matchup to keep an eye on. I think the big thing to keep an eye on 
with Duke um, is what is the plan to contain Riley Leonard as a dual threat quarterback? Because he is a guy that defensively you can, you can do everything right. And he's still going to find a way to make plays with his legs or extend plays. He can throw on the run. He can make difficult throws on the run. Um, and so I, I am curious, number one, how much success does Miami's defensive line have with generating pressure against a, a Duke offensive line that is playing really well as a unit? Um, so, yeah, I think what is the plan for Riley Leonard? You know, these last two weeks, quarterbacks have had success running the ball against Miami. Um, I don't know how much it's really impacted the game. There was that one. Um, there was that one run, that one scramble by Drake May um, that went for 30 yards or so. That was an impactful run. But I think overall, Miami's defense has done a good job of uh, producing negative plays with quarterbacks as well. It was, what, six sacks uh, against Grant Wells in Virginia Tech. And then I think it was, what, five sacks against Drake May. So if a quarterback runs for 60 plus yards and you're still in the same game, you sack him four or five, six times. And it's a dual threat quarterback. I think the defense has done its job. That needs to be the goal again this week. Um, guy that steps up, that needs to step up for Miami. I'm going to go with the right guard slash center, whoever it is. Cause right guard, just sounds like Justice Oluwashon is dealing with a long-term injury. I assume we're going to see more Logan Sagapolo uh, as the starting right guard on Saturday. We did see a little bit of Inez Cooper sprinkled in. I think he got about, what, 15 snaps or so against Virginia Tech. Um, regardless, uh, the center, guards, left or right, needs to have a plan for blocking up Dwayne Carter, Duke's excellent defensive tackle. He's the one guy that can really wreck things for Miami's offense, I think, on Saturday. And so there needs to be a key on him. If Miami can block him up, I think it can be a relatively smooth day for the offense um, if they can just... And Tyler Van Dyke has another big game in him this week. And uh, along with that, I would expect Colby Young to put up big numbers as well against this Duke defense. Sportsline over-unders. So um, these are uh, DFS numbers provided by CBS Sportsline. They have Tyler Van Dyke at 362 passing yards in this game. I'm going to go under that. I still think Tyler gets 300 yards, but I do think there's a chance that Miami's offense finds more balance this week, which means Tyler won't have to throw the ball as much as we've seen the last two weeks. Um, still think 300-yard performance again, uh, but I don't think 360. I think Miami will be able to run the ball a little bit better against this Duke and defense. Colby Young, they have at 58 yards. I would take the over. I think Colby will be flirting with 100 yards again. And then the other one I found interesting, Riley Leonard, rushing yards. They have it at 51. 
I'm going to take the under on that. Uh, I could see Riley Leonard gaining. Net total. I think once you start factoring the, in the sacks, it's going to be under 51. Uh, betting line. So Miami is a nine-point favorite, and the over-under is 58 points. Um, for the nine-point line, I would probably take Duke. Um, and for the over-under, my prediction is my, my score prediction is the under. So I would say under 58 points. And I would say Duke keeps it essentially to a one score game. So my final prediction for this game, I do think this game has blowout potential because Miami does match up well against Duke. Miami's passing game against Duke's secondary. If you can't already tell, I really like that matchup going into this game. Miami's run defense is a strength against Duke's rushing attack. Duke wants to run the ball this year. Um, Miami's run defense is one of the best at the power five level to this point. So I like how Miami matches up there. Um, I also like how Miami's defensive line can affect the quarterback. Duke's offensive line has been good, but again, I do think uh, this will by far be the best defensive line that Duke has faced. And I do think there's a case too that maybe possibly potentially this team is turning the corner. You know, I, I think there was a lot of good things that happened in the, in the second half of that North Carolina game. There was a lot of good things that happened in the first three quarters of that Virginia tech game. I think this this team is potentially getting close um, getting close to a four quarter performance and the confidence building and players executing assignments. I think it's close. I think in my opinion, I know nobody wants to hear this. I think the coaching staff has done an excellent job of coaching since the bye week. Uh, I feel like they finally have a good feel for their personnel. They're putting them in situations that allows them to do what they do best. Um, and I think this team is getting close to turning the corner. Now, with that being said, I got to see it before I believe it at this point. Uh, I don't trust this team after that middle Tennessee state loss. Uh, so I'm not going to be predicting a blowout. I will be predicting Miami 31 Duke 23. So, uh, we'll see if the hurricanes can establish a little bit of a win streak here this month of october needs to be a time for miami to start generating some momentum going into a tough november slate uh, again miami duke 12 30 kick uh, it's on your regional sports network uh valley sports if you're in south florida uh, check your local listings appreciate everyone listening to this solo pod gabby will be back in due time um, so bear with us during these solo pods. Um, that's a lot of talking for me. And until next time, take care.
CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.